Welcome to the Cardo Martin podcast, building surveying for professionals, giving you a detailed and technical view of the world of building surveying. In this episode, we are going to add to our mini-series on the APC by continuing our chat with Alexander Redmond, a director at Cardo Martin. It's going to be all about the core competencies of the assessment of professional competence. You might be familiar with it from our previous podcast, but if not, make sure to go back and check out the first episode. There'll be something for everyone interested in the built environment, of course, but it's going to be especially useful for anyone considering becoming chartered, wondering about whether to do building surveying courses at university, and also for those who are already deep in the process of building their submission. Alex, why don't you take a minute to tell us more about what you do in Cardo Martin? Thanks, James, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm a director at Cardo Martin, uh, specialising in commercial property, but uh, relevant to the APC, I'm an experienced supervisor to APC candidates, both here and at previous employers, uh, where I've been supervisor to many candidates in the past, guiding them through the process of the APC with the RICS. Now, that's just not in building surveying either. You've done other uh, professional areas too. Yes, not many times. I've not acted as a formal supervisor, but I've definitely been mentoring uh, people on the project management and planning pathways as well. So I've got experience with the other pathways as well. That's great. Thank you. Well, it's good to have you on board. So join us now for a journey through time and materials as we reveal even more secrets of the APC. So Alex, what are core competencies? Let's start there. Core competencies are essentially defined within the pathway guidance notes published by the RICS. Uh, They vary from pathway to pathway, but specific to the building surveying, they are the competencies which relate to the day-to-day common sorts of work that we get involved in. So it will cover things like building pathology, contract administration, design and technology, all of the things that are the bread and butter of building surveying and similarly on other pathways, it will be the sort of types of work that you will commonly carry out as part of your day-to-day role. That's useful, thank you. So how do I find out, I'm presuming here I'll put myself in the usual situation of working on my APC, how do I find out which ones are relevant to me? The ones which are relevant to your pathway will be set out in the published pathway guidance, which the RICS published for all of the numerous pathways which uh, qualify for a chartered status under the RICS. You can also look online. um, The RICS Assessment Resource Centre, known as ARC, has a lot of resources as well, which can help you understand a bit more about the core, the, the competencies and which ones relate to your pathway and also how to interpret them. What are the differences between the different levels then? Yes, um, each of the competencies you're expected to achieve levels one, two or three. Because these are the core competencies, a lot of them you will be expected to reach level three uh, with the optionals which are part of the core competencies. These are the ones that you get to pitch are two of the full set of core competencies. Those ones you're expected to reach level two for. And the the three levels that you have to achieve are level one, which demonstrates that you know about competency. So that's just based on knowledge, the legislation which applies, and just a general understanding of what the competency is. Level two moves on to a 
more thorough understanding by showing that you've done elements of work which relate to that competency. So perhaps for building pathology, you may have carried out a, a defects analysis survey. Uh, so you'll be explaining what you've done as part of that competency to prove that you've got experience within it. And level three is the highest level of the competencies and relates to advising people and clients on the competency. So again, using pathology as an example, this would relate to examples of where you might have advised a client on what to do following an inspection where you've identified some defects. That's really useful. Looking at level three then, so how can I show that I've reached level three? As I'm not chartered, I don't advise clients. Is this a catch-22? No, not necessarily. I think that's quite a common uh, misunderstanding where you're not chartered. So particularly at big companies, you might not be the person who is talking to the client on a day-to-day basis or the person who's preparing and signing your final reports. But in many instances, you will find that you are advising clients in almost everything you do. So looking for examples where you've given some advice, and that might be as part of a larger report that you've submitted a section for. So perhaps you've looked at the interior of the property and the senior colleagues looked at the exterior of the property. Then you would have been advising in that instance on the condition of the property and perhaps remedial works which are required. But in other instances, advising can come in all manner of of ways of communicating with the client in terms of options available to them in in projects, for instance, where you might have advised the client their options relating to a variation in a contract for certain works that they might want to consider. That's also considered advising as part of the uh, the RICS APC. So it sounds reasonably complicated. I've got to think about this. It's it's complicated, isn't it? Or, or is it an everyday job that I've just got to input properly? I think it comes down to how you interpret how you do your job. You might think that you're just doing a project. You're just inspecting a site. But you're not just inspecting a site. There might be an instance where prior to inspecting the site, you've done your desktop review and you've seen that the property is derelict or unoccupied and you've advised the client at that stage that there may be a risk assessment required or you might need some information about how to access that property and that it's potentially dangerous because it's unoccupied. You don't know if there might be some issues with the condition of the interior of the property, maybe squatters potentially infested with vermin. So you've advised the client on something like that and you may not consider that advising but that is considered to be advice. What should I be saying then? I I don't really know where to start. Again, this is quite a common issue for when you're starting to look at the core competencies for the APC. It's difficult to know where you should start thinking about the competencies and how to organise the work that you have done into relevant examples. So in terms of where to start, best place to start is with the work that you have been doing over the past couple of years whilst you've been carrying out your APC diary. So looking, reviewing your job load, projects that you're working on at the moment, projects that you've completed in the past and going through them in quite some detail just to understand exactly what you did during those projects, what challenges that you faced during those projects and where you did give advice to the clients. So breaking it down from the experience that you do have and then really picking out the bits which are relevant to the three levels, which are knowing, doing, and advising. And you'll find that pretty much every job you've done will have some element of all of that. And the good part about keeping it relevant to your experience is 
you know it quite completely because it's yours. You've done it and you can talk about it with some confidence when you sit your APC assessment panel because it's things that you've actually done. So you're not talking about it anecdotally. You're not talking about it from another perspective. It's all work that you've actually physically done and you can talk about in that manner. That's really useful. Thank you. So I haven't actually done that many jobs. I say, for instance, I'm, I'm relatively new to this. I've just finished uni. I'm in my, that period in between thinking about this. Does that matter? No, not at all. I mean, if you're working, then you're obviously busy every day. You're not going to work and twiddling your thumbs. The reason that a lot of people don't have many projects to talk about in their APC is because they might be working on really big projects that take up a lot of time. It's something that's quite common with the project management pathway, for sure, because they'll be working on huge projects, which are usually running for a really long time. So you might be heavily involved in two or three projects like that, where you are just doing elements of a a much larger project. So it's not a problem. What you have to do is then look carefully about what it is that you're doing within those projects and also break it down to the various stages of the project. So you might have a feasibility stage, you might have a specification stage, you might have a procurement stage, and then you'll have the construction phase. So you've got actually a lot of mini projects and mini elements, which you can then talk about separately, even though they're part of the same project. So you've actually got quite a lot to talk about, even though you've only done several jobs. That's a good, useful way of looking at it. So you're actually, you're just as credible as someone who might have done reasonably short projects, but Absolutely. Uh, much more interesting. Yeah, you get lots of people who've done only a handful of projects who are just as capable of passing the APC with those as people who do hundreds of small projects. Following a little bit on from that then, say for instance, I've, um, I've worked for a previous company. I've got loads more opportunities there in terms of the smaller things that might be good examples at the newer company maybe it's a global consultancy and i'm doing exactly what you've just said it's bigger pieces of work the longer term might be a huge contract admin piece that's over spanning 12 months can i use jobs from past employment as examples there's no reason why not but the main thing to remember is that they need to still be relevant so if you did these jobs more than two years ago then you might want to consider whether you've got something more recent because, as we know in property, the legislation's always evolving, technology's always evolving, and as time passes, the things that you did on those jobs become less relevant to what advice that you would give to a client after you're chartered. So the best thing to do is to focus on the projects that you've completed within the last two years before you sit and really just look at the detail of those jobs so that everything that you're talking about is relevant and current and and don't rely too heavily on lots of past experience because that tends to be less relevant and it doesn't sort of it doesn't help you out when you sit the exam to have lots of content that's very old it's more that you want to come with current content and current examples of jobs so that the panel can see that the things that you're doing now show that you're a safe pair of hands and a competent surveyor so that they'll consider passing you to become a chartered surveyor and I guess there's that distance makes the heart grow fonder type thing the longer away these jobs were the you're forgetting the bad bits of it you're forgetting detail. So I'm guessing it comes down to if you're then in front of the panel and you've got to talk confidently about how you've done things, it could really impinge on it, couldn't it? Because you're not going to really remember all the all the bits and bobs that could add up. No, exactly. It's very easy to get tripped up when you're sitting the final assessment and they've picked the panel have picked up a specific wording or detail that you've listed about a job that you did maybe three or four years ago. And yes, it fades over time. So if they've picked up on something that you've written, 
and then you can't recall what actually happened, even though it might have been a perfectly normal or fine situation, the fact that you hesitate or the fact that you can't recall or give a coherent answer is less desirable than if you were to do something that you can quickly and easily recall from recent experience, which shows that you are a competent surveyor. Thinking from a writing point of view then, how much should I actually be writing? Well, as you've probably gathered from the pathway guidance, there is a word limit for your core competencies. So you need to use your words wisely. Now, as we picked on earlier, there are three different levels. And for the core competencies, the most, the majority of them, you are looking to achieve level three. And the panel will be assessing you on the quality of your more advanced answers. So the logical approach is to dedicate as much word count to these level three competency answers than to say your level ones or twos, which will not be showing you to the best standard. So I'd recommend keeping it short and sweet on the level one competencies. You just need to show a basic grounding and knowledge of the competency and sort of legislation that applies to it and any sort of other background information, but keeping it very brief. For level two, Add a bit more detail because you're explaining your approach and how you do your job. But obviously don't dedicate as many words to the level three answer where you'll have to demonstrate how you advise the client. So it's up to you how you split it at the end of the day. But I definitely recommend having your level three answer with the majority of your word count. That's great. Thank you. Any final tips then? Anything that kind of stands out that can help listeners really succeed here? Definitely. I think with everything with the APC, the key to a success is to ask a lot of questions, to be curious, to find out what's going on within your organisation and join focus and study groups with your colleagues. And if you work at a small company where you're not working with anybody who is currently sitting the APC, then reach out to other companies or to people on LinkedIn or perhaps people you went to university with who would probably be sitting the APC at a similar time to you and meet up regularly to discuss your experience, any challenges that you're facing in putting your documents together. Uh, a lot of the peer groups are extremely helpful because you've, you've also got some support there as well. Also looking at the RICS and the online resources that are provided the RICS is, has got some fantastic resources. If you go on to ARC, there's lots of video tutorials, lots of lots of documents you can download, which will explain the process, the setting out the documents and give you good, clear guidance in terms of what the assessors will be looking for on the day and how they will interpret the responses that you put into your documents. Um, and also reaching out to your experienced colleagues in your company and making sure that you tap them up for any knowledge. But do bear in mind that if you're dealing with older colleagues who aren't quite up on their CPD, that their knowledge may not be as good or as relevant and current as yours. So don't be afraid to correct any colleagues who you think might be wrong because learning is a continual thing. And uh, one of the main reasons that I like doing the APC is because I think it helps me keep current because I'm staying in touch with what everybody's learning at the beginning of their careers and it's hugely important to share that knowledge. Modus magazine's really well constructed, isn't it? And definitely. it's it's good good quality, well made. Is it useful? Definitely, definitely. I mean Modus, for anyone who doesn't know, is uh, an RICS industry publication for members and associate members. It's essentially a magazine which gives a lot of useful current and relevant articles and topics relating to construction and property industry. And the articles in there have a lot of very interesting insights. So it's not just about what you know, it's also about how considered you are in terms of your 
environment and the pathway that you're following. So if you're doing building surveying, you'll obviously want to keep current on what's happening in the industry, what big developments and technology improvements are happening and what the future of building surveying is. And all of that can be found in Modus every month. You've been tuned into Cardo Martin's Building Surveying for Professionals podcast. Thanks for listening. And thank you very much to Alexandra Redmond for joining us today. Thank you very much. And for sharing her knowledge about core competencies of the APC.